you are listening to Dear Parliament with Rob Hutchinson. Because democracy doesn't just happen. On the line we have Kieran Ryan chatting us to us today about local government elections and independent candidates, those brave souls competing against 276 registered political parties. Good afternoon, Kieran. I trust you are well. Hi, Rob. I'm great. Thanks for having me on. Fantastic. Always good to have you on again. Definitely. So, what is your what are your thoughts around these uh, local elections? We've seen many delays and uh, uh, court challenges to to the postponement of of the elections. No doubt they are for well, political reasons and and so on. But what are your thoughts around the uh, chances of independent candidates um, taking taking the vote? We've seen a massive increase in the number of registered candidates, but what really are are their chances and, and how do you expect them to compete? I think for the first time, I wouldn't have said this even, you know, two years ago, but I think for the first time they stand a good chance because they're getting a little bit better organised I think the level of frustration with service delivery is at absolute fever pitch. And, you know, some of these corrupt uh, councillors have got to be chucked out on their ear. And <laughs> if you go to, if you really want to see, you know, raw anger, you've got to go to some of these small little towns outside of Johannesburg and you know, bigger cities to see how terribly this country has actually become run in terms of governance. Um for example, there's uh, there's one group, there's a whole bunch of civic organizations which have been registered for this election, but there's one group called the Azanian Independent People's Organization. It's kind of an ANC old guard, you know, very traditional as Nelson Mandela supporting type of group. They're contesting six municipalities just in northwest province, but and, and they're going on local issues. It's a war on potholes. It's a, um, a campaign for clean water. It's a campaign for sewage systems that work. And also redirecting some of the budgets that these municipalities have to local entrepreneurs because that, that has become a, a very serious bone of contention. A lot of this money has been directed, as we know, to uh, in, in very corrupt ways to connected, politically connected individuals. And I think these are the issues that are going to become that, that this election is going to be fought on. It's very much local. It's like, you know, the, the roads into and out of these towns have become shocking. I don't know if you've been outside of Joburg, Rob, in the last um, year or so, but there, there, is, there are some areas, like in the Free State, some roads are virtually, you, you can't travel. And it's resulting in, in accidents and hospitalizations just because of potholes. So you, uh, these are the issues that are, are going to be they're going to be fought on, and I think the incumbents, the, the the big political parties, are going to have to wake up to this, and they're going to have to uh, be prepared for a new career. I think. Oh, absolutely, and I think it's it's actually fantastic to see uh, some competition finally from from what we could actually call the private sector. I mean, these these are not career politicians that are that are challenging the elections. They are people who've lived in the community are part of the community, have run businesses within the community, and they're well aware of these service delivery problems. So the question uh, around that is, will they be able to, if if elected, will they be able to uh, effectively deliver on, on their promises? You know, it's one thing talking about it and being um, on the other side of it when it comes to ser- service delivery. But once you're elected, will they have the resources and the impact that, that is necessary to to bring about the effects of change. 
That's a very good question because politics is its own arena and you find there's this very much an entrenched, entrenched way of operating once you are elected as a councillor or you make it to the provincial legislature or wherever you end up. And, you know, there's kind of, uh, it's like when you go to a new school and uh, you find, oh, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a gang that really controls this place and I better behave myself if I'm, if I'm going to survive here. And I think that's one of the things that needs to be avoided. Uh, and this is why you have a political party. They send you in there with a very clear instruction. You know, this is like you're not there to make friends. You're not there to cozy up to the ANC or the DA or anybody else. You're there to get the, the job done. And I, I think a lot of municipalities around the country, they see this as an opportunity. First of all, there was the court case, the constitutional court case that happened last year where in order to make it into the national or the provincial legislature, you don't have to go through the political party. You can go as an independent. Now, there have been independents uh, fighting at local government level for, for some time, but they've been uh, largely ineffective. And I, and I think what has happened is if you look at the governance of South Africa, the 257 municipalities, uh, the DA has made it very much part of its whole message to the country that where we run, we run better. And that's true. If you look at the stats, Ratings Africa brings out a survey once a year. It shows that the, the top five, even the, the top ten, the top-run municipalities are, are DA. And they're sticklers for – you could argue, you know, some of these cases, whether it's true or not, but I think generally speaking, you will find that DA does a better job. Um, and does that translate into – you know, better results at the polls um, and, and elections. It's difficult to know because you know the last election the ANC beat them fairly handily yet again. But I think at the local government level, so you know the best run municipalities in the country would be Mossel Bay, Hermanus, Midvale here in South Africa, which by the way has got a 33 year old, a 33 or 34 year old mayor. Um, these are these are very very well run and they're quite visionary mayors and. Very the country you're finding residents are adopting a number of different strategies to try and topple this very entrenched and, and very corrupt kind of Carter mentality that has infected the local government structures. Some of them are taking them to court. Some of them are planning uh, rates boycotts, like in places like Scottsboro. Uh, Makanda, you know, where there was a court case, the, the, the high court down, that's formerly Grahamstown. They, they basically dissolved, they, they ordered that the municipality be dissolved. Why? Because the service delivery, you know, the, the, the pipes hadn't been replaced in decades, the, the, the water pipes, the sewerage system wasn't working, there was spillage of sewerage onto the streets, potholes everywhere. These are the things that really bother people, you know, when they live. You, you can really list them on one hand. And... I think there's a good chance that these guys, they, they're going to they're gonna toss some of these incumbents out and they're going to have to deliver. Otherwise, they're going to have the shortest political career imaginable. You know, they've, they've got four years in the, and they'll be tossed out. But I, I think in these, um, it, it's, it's just become, it's, local government has been seen as a vehicle for self-enrichment for people who you don't even know who your local councillor is. You go to, you know, I mean, I, I look at my area and say, who is my local council? I have no idea. This person has never, you know, asked me my opinion about anything or knocked on my door and said, hey, you know, will you vote for me? Um, so these, these guys are hiding behind political parties, and I think they're hiding behind incompetence and, and just a, a very slovenly 
and ineffective political system that allows this kind of incompetence to breed. Absolutely, and I think that's it's a great wake-up call for for all political parties to to get their act together wow. and and maybe try and uh, instead of relying on hope and promise, uh, use the experience that is uh, that a or the advantage that a, a independent candidate has, and that is track record. So, a independent candidate can use his his uh, business record or his political, I mean, his community standing, as to great advantage over a political party. You know what happens in political parties is we have uh, one one failure in an unrelated part of the country. It does reflect on the whole party. Uh, the party in its whole. So the independents have an advantage o- over that. And it's actually quite uh, encouraging to see, to see more candidates registering here. The, the test, uh, as I said, will still, still be whether they can actually fit into that, that uh, political system because it is a, a political system at the end of the day. Yeah. One, one thing I have noticed, Kieran, is that yeah, the there are 944 registered independents so far, which is which is an incredible incredible number. Have have you met any of these guys? Have you interviewed them? Have you discussed their their strategies with them at at any stage? Do 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 you see any that shine out? Yeah, I do. Uh, I I have interviewed some of them. Uh, Manlan Pempe, for example, he is the head of the Center for Good Governance and Social Justice. Now, he's a he's an old guard ANC guy who just became completely fed up with governance and local municipality issues in Northwest Province where he lives. And so he started, you know, campaigning by letter writing, by organizing and. Um, trying to really hold some of these officials, these municipal managers up in the northwest accountable for, for decision. And you, you know, you start uncovering a whole lot of rot when you start doing that because people will come to you, like as a journalist, they will come to you with all kinds of whistleblowing material or incriminating material. And you find out municipal managers, which by law they have to have a certain uh, qualification. A lot of these guys don't. You know, they've lied about their, their, um, the qualifications in order to get those positions. Um, once they're in that position, they then start abusing the municipal budget with, with court action. So you, you bring a case to, to hold a municipal manager to account because he's not delivering on the services that he's constitutionally, constitutionally mandated to do or doesn't have the qualifications for the job. And he's then using municipal badges to fight you in court. And drag that out for years, and, and there are cases there that are going on for four or five years, and exactly that kind of thing. It's an abuse of public funds to do that kind of thing. Uh, by the time it's all done, you know, the person who's bringing the action has just exhausted himself financially and and um, probably emotionally as well, and just gives up the case. So these things are allowed to to carry on, and you know, you so why are people, why are so many independents registering to contest this? For those kind of issues, they, they, they see what, what has gone on. Oftentimes they will be, you know, part of the faction, the losing faction that didn't get in, that didn't get the job, didn't get the tender. And that's a very dangerous, you know, potent thing to have working against you because they'll never forget it and they will rub that in your nose for the rest of the time. And I think what's also of, of key concern here is 
um, the politicization of municipal management across the country. So it used to be that administrators in municipal at the municipal level were professionals. So you would have your your bookkeepers, your accountants, you'd have CAs in there, you would have people who understood administrative management at the local level. That has been largely displaced uh, with with political appointees. So it's it's a you know for the uh, for the ANC and I, I don't mean to hammer on one particular party, but I'm going to having sort of excuse myself. Uh, they 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 have they've used this as a vehicle as payback for for party loyalists and they've put them into these positions for which they are not qualified. Uh, there are some ANC municipalities that haven't gone that way that have actually retained the old guard administrators and they continue to function quite well and, and it's fairly interesting. And Middleburg, for example, uh, you know, Pumalanga is is a case in point. Uh, it has a new name, which I can't remember. So it doesn't always go that way, but generally speaking, it's been a way for uh, the, the, the party political bigwigs to put their friends in, in positions at the local government level. And, I mean, you mentioned that there are 944 independents that are fighting this election. There are actually about 10,500 uh, seats, uh, local government seats, that are up for grabs in this upcoming local election. And of course, the big thing then is, does this election go ahead in October this year as it's supposed to, or does it not? And I know that dear um, South Africa has been involved in challenging any attempt by the IEC to delay this to February next year. Um, and for listeners who are not aware of that case, the IEC has... Um, Rob, do you know when that's being heard in court? It's this week, isn't it? I think it was actually heard on Friday, but it is actually still ongoing. So there's a couple of, there's actually quite a few different parties challenging it. One is uh, the the political parties, there's the DA, and there's also the Freedom Front Plus, and a few others. But many civil society organizations also challenging it and saying the COVID restrictions and COVID problem and the virus should not be a, a hindrance to the continuation of it. And it makes obvious, obvious sense. But yeah, that's, we still waiting for the outcome of that and whether it will go on. Uh, we hope it will. And I, I think it should absolutely, absolutely go on. Well, well here's, the, here's the fear of that. Mm. I mean, I know judgment was probably reserved. So it was heard last Friday and, and um, you know, we'll see what the outcome is, but the IEC's argument, and it seems to have the, the, the backing of the, of the government as well, is that you cannot have free and fair elections when you've got a COVID pandemic underway. Um, we're now coming into the summer season. This COVID thing does seem to follow a certain cycle, and they're saying there'll be a fourth wave uh, by the end of the, or by around about February next year. Well, if that's the case, you know, we're, we're always sort of doing this dance around what, when is the next wave? And do we suspend democracy? Forever, while we, you know, try to get rid of a, pa- a pandemic. If, if that's the case, you know, we, I, one of the things I've noticed is that all the protests that used to happen in Joburg, you could go virtually any day of the week into Joburg, and there'd be some protest going on outside the High Court or blocking off the streets or some labor union, some pay increase that they were demanding. Protests in South Africa have just died, and uh, one of my theories is that. Um, you know, we've had this 25-year experiment of freedom, uh, and it's now come to a sudden end. And uh, so it was very nice. You know, thank you. We enjoyed it while it lasted, but uh, that's that's not coming back anymore. And I think that's a very dangerous thing to 
to even have that as a as a thought in your head. It's like, well, you know, uh, public health is is more important than uh, anything else, any individual rights or any group rights that we have. So I'm I'm very afraid that this um, this election. I don't care if they delay it a week, but I, I want it to happen. I want it to happen soon because if we don't. Uh, you know, we, we've, we've taken a step in, in a very dangerous direction. That's what I think. Oh, without a doubt, you know, it is a very dangerous direction because we we don't know when the next delay will be. It could be based on anything, and if we're expecting a, a fourth wave, really, how, how can you make a decision on the unknown? The the data hasn't hasn't proven right in in any of these cases so far. So you could just say, oh, we're expecting a fourth wave or a fifth wave or a sixth wave, and we would never, ever see elections. So they have to take place at some time. I think even right in the beginning of the the pandemic, uh, President Ramaphosa said that this is the new normal. We have to learn to live with this. So why are we trying not to live with it and, in, and bring it into our, into our daily lives? We have to have these elections. There's no reason we can't. We have people queuing queuing up for miles to get uh, vaccinated. We have people queuing for, for SASA grants. We have people queuing everywhere. And yet uh, nothing seems to be, uh, it seems to be a different situation in, in the IEC's uh, view, viewpoint. However, let's wait for the outcome of, of that and, and see what, what happens. You are listening to Dear Parliament with Rob Hutchinson. Because democracy doesn't just happen. I'm chatting to Kieran Ryan about the local elections, which are upcoming in, in hopefully a couple of months' time, and uh, the chances of independent candidates versus the uh, political parties as such. Kieran, welcome back. And what do you what do, back to the independent candidates? What what do you really think their their chances are? I mean, you. Um, like I mentioned earlier on as well, if they, if they are elected, uh, they're going to be facing major problems with municipal budgets and um, the the debt that so many municipalities are are currently facing. Uh, the latest figures, I think you you actually in in one of your articles, that 85% of of municipalities are failing due to mismanagement, particularly in um, inappropriate spending. And and so on. Do these these guys that you have interviewed do they do they have a, a plan to to overcome those hurdles? It's a question of going back to basics. It's not rocket science. You know why is uh, Midvale, in, for example, in Gauteng, uh, one of the top-run municipalities in the country? Because it's it's, it's fiscally responsible. They're not spending more than they make. They're not overtaxing their residents. And they are delivering the services that they promise. One of the things that we tend to measure municipalities on, are, there are some surveys, the Auditor General Report, for example, they bring out a municipality report every year. Uh, Ratings Africa brings out a report as well, which looks at it in a little bit more detail and goes into the service delivery. But I think what is needed at the municipal level to really start bringing some accountability back is a kind of a service level agreement. So, for example, if you're supplying water what is the quality of that water? Does it dip below an acceptable standard? The sewage system, same thing. You know, what is the acceptable standard there? And these things have got to be monitored pretty much in real time. Because then you start to see, you know, we're, we're paying money, and most of this money that you're paying in rates and taxes is going to salaries. So you're, there's 
of an, an amount that is supposed to be invested, I think it's 8% of, of rates and taxes that are collected should be invested in maintenance of the infrastructure. And this is where municipalities are kind of, uh, you know, dodging and diving and they're redirecting that money for other things. And COVID has been the great excuse. You know, we, well, we had to have PPE. And we know what happened to that. There's so many of these contracts just ended up, uh, you know, being corrupt contracts. So they're not spending the money on the maintenance of the infrastructure that they should. The potholes then start to get worse and worse. Well, why? Because, well, we got COVID. And so it becomes a sort of catch-all excuse, get out of jail free card that they just keep on trotting out. And if you're going to have accountability, it's not just financial accountability that we need. That's important. No question about it. But it's also what is the quality of those services? And I, I think there's a there's an opening there for somebody to come in and say you know let's 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 trial this and see how we can measure the, the quality of the services that have been delivered and it's got to be independent it cannot be done in house by by some local uh, employee of the municipality it's got to be done by an outsider and it's got to be scientific and it's got to be trustworthy i think if you start doing that then you'll start to see some measure of trust being returned at local government level um, I, I think one of the, the, the easy, there's low hanging fruit here for municipalities that are trying to show that they're doing their jobs. It's to uh, go and attend to the potholes. There's a story I wrote for MoneyWeb uh, a few months ago, and it's a, a, an area of Johannesburg called Panorama, which is out on the West Rand, Rudderport area, where these people are trying to get the roads agency, the Joburg Roads Agency, to come out and fix these potholes, got no answer for over a year. So what did they do? They raised 10,000 rand, and, and they got one guy to sponsor one of these big thumping, what do they call them, jackhammers. <laughs> and they went out and they, and they repaired the potholes. It took them a day uh, on the major road there in Panorama uh, at a cost of 10,000 rand, all volunteered by, by residents of the association. So, you know, that's the kind of thing. And you think, well, if it's that easy, why is the road agency not doing it uh, themselves? You had down in the free state, also over potholes, you had the, the residents, the taxi association, the farmers, everybody. And this just cut right across all of, you know, our preconceived notions of, you know, who's is where in the political spectrum. All of these guys, they blocked every entrance into the town of Fixburg. And uh, what were they protesting against? Potholes. The state of the roads, they were just dangerous. And none of the money that had been going into the Fixburg municipality had been spent on roads for something like 10 years. Then we, we find out that the, uh, the mayor of Fixburg, uh, it turns out, wasn't even a South African citizen. <laughs> and that person, from what I understand, is still at large, has just disappeared. This kind of thing happens, crazy things happening uh, across the country when you start investigating it. Not, not only that, not a citizen, but money that should have gone, you know, towards potholes and infrastructure repairs ended up going to the pockets of friends. <laughs> it, it, it does. It's it's almost laughable, but you know, we we shouldn't be laughing at, at situations like that. But it's it's that ridiculous that that we have to we have to laugh, and you kind of wonder why a political party hasn't been able to address these uh, seemingly uh, easy issues to 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 address. And I think that's probably where uh, independent candidates will will actually shine, is by actually taking responsibility and increasing accountability for for what's actually going on. And um, you 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 touched on a a very uh, key word there, and that is trust. 
there is definitely a, a lack of trust between residents and their local municipal structures and, and elected officials. And, you know, hopefully uh, the rise of independent candidates will be able to address those, those trust issues, not through uh, political promises, hope and, hope and promise, but through actual measurable, measurable results. After all, <clears throat> these independents don't have a, a fallback system as a, a, a political party candidate would do. So they, they either perform or, or, or they're out. And that's, that's a, a good place to, to be in, especially for, for civil society. Yeah, another part of the, the trust issue is, um, the whole municipal structure relies on feedback from citizens as well as feedback from, from the, the council. Are issues being, being resolved? What are the issues? And, and so on. That, doesn't seem to be uh, happening uh, at any at any significant pace on in any municipal structures. So, if if I had to give any advice to any potential uh, independents, focus on those communication uh, efforts. Get get that feedback from from citizens. Give them feedback as to progress, as to to what's going on, and it, it's to create a a better community and a better municipality. Which is just an extension of, of the community. We need, it's going to require a cooperation between uh, private bodies, individuals, citizens, and, and the municipal structure itself, which is difficult when, when the municipal structure is run by a political party, but a lot easier when it's run by an approachable in, in individual or managed by an approachable individual. So it seems to be good times ahead from, from my point of view. Um, I'm not sure what what you think on, on that, Kieran. A good time to what to to be uh, running for election? Absolutely, absolutely. Oh yeah, this is this is the best time in 25 years. If, if you know you've you've got this this rich vein of toxic discontent that you can tap into and lance and and exploit. You know, if you, you if you're in opposition, you've just got to remind the incumbent party of all of their failings, and they have plenty of those. And you just got to rub it in their noses continually, and people are disaffected. And there, there is still an odd thing that there's a legacy in South Africa. You know, people go out and vote for the party if it's ANC that that delivered freedom uh, to them. And but as we've seen, you know, over the the last few elections, that that legacy is declining. And there was an interesting interview with. Um, uh, Mr. Cronier, I forget his first name, uh, from the Institute of Race Relations. Uh, France Cronier, yes. France Cronier, sorry. And where we're here saying basically this, this whole looting thing that happened in the last few days, uh, weeks, was pretty much the end of the ANC and they're going to be voted out of power and something good comes at the end of it. Um, so it, it sounded like very bleak. It's like, how, how bad can things go? Um, this is a bit, this is South Africa, you know, we're a bit like cryptocurrencies. <laughs> we're all over the place. Uh, we're either spring up too high or too low, but I think we're we're in one of these manic depressive dumps at the moment, and I do think that there's there's some good that comes out of it. It's uh, it's the self-correcting nature of the universe that you know things will you know people of goodwill will kind of write it, you know, they will get the shit back on on uh, even keel again. Absolutely. There's just one, one thing that I I think that should be mentioned. Anybody going for standing for independent as an independent in these elections 
should bear in mind that there are a number of parallel forces at work here, and one of them being an interesting case that happened in Ghetlang Rafir. Now, Ghetlang Rafir is in northwest province. In December last year, they won a court case in the Northwest High Court where they got control back from the local municipality of the water and sewage work. So basically what the court did was it took water and sewage out of the hands of the municipality and it handed to this group called the Ghetlang Concerned Citizens. And these guys came in, they raised money as local businesses, and it cut right across you know, all racial groups and demographic groups that you can imagine. They raised 18 million rand and they fixed all the infrastructure and the water and the, and the sewage. Um, an interesting thing about the judgment as well, the municipal manager was sentenced to 90 days in jail uh, if he did not, within a certain period of time, stop sewage water flowing into the local river. Well, that problem was averted by the residents, not by him. Now, quite recently, they went back to court and the court ordered that those services be handed back to the municipality. Within days of that happening, I'm told that the the, the water supply was only available a few hours a day. And the sewage was again flowing into the Costa River. So now they headed back to court in September saying, listen, this is not sustainable. We cannot be handing, you know, we go in there, we raise 18 million rand from residents which we have yet to be paid back. And then you take that away from us, you hand it back to this dysfunctional uh, municipality, who, by the way, in the, in the court papers is interesting, it's almost laughable what's going on. They're saying that the, within a week of handing back these services, the, the workers on the, on, on the water plant just abandoned site, which they had done many times in the past. So there's no accountability for these workers. They don't seem to have any management. They don't seem to have the skills required. The point I'm making in bringing up this case is that this will go all the way to the Constitutional Court if necessary. And what this means is that every municipality in the country is on notice that if you don't perform to a certain standard, you are going to have those services taken away and placed in the hands of competent people run by residents associations or by citizens themselves. Um, so, you know, you've got to, you've got to focus on getting those things fixed and running properly. Otherwise, as I said before, you're going to have a very short political career. Absolutely true, Kieran. That's yeah, brought some absolute insight there, and I hope independent candidates have actually been listening to to the show and and your advice on on what to do. It's been absolute great, great in, insight into into what's actually going on, the possibilities as well that that we do face here, um, and I reckon this is a a major milestone in our democracy. And a, and a shift in the political landscape, which will lead on, on to the national, a shift in the national as well. Kieran, it's been an absolute, uh, wonderful chat with you. Um, thanks so much for, for coming on the show and we'll definitely have you on once again very soon. Thank you, Rob. As I said before, you're a national treasure. Keep doing what you're doing. <laughs>